we have a, a special guest here. He's special for a couple different reasons, uh, but mainly Dominic Chassis is going to be sharing with us this morning. Now, some of you <laughs> see it happen again. They they clap before you got up here, so you're good. Like it, uh, you can, yeah, whatever happens, you're you're good. And his mom, uh, Cheryl, she actually came again for second service, so you know. <laughs> Uh, so well done, Mom. Dominic is in his junior year at Mid-Atlantic Christian University. Uh, Dominic essentially grew up here at Velocity and is going into ministry. So he's training to go into that. And one of the things that I told him early on is like, dude, you're going to you're gonna have to practice. You're going to have to get some experience. And so you're going to have to show up here and preach one Sunday. And I don't... Like, I think he was a little sweaty then, but I think he's, he's in good shape now. So he's going to be sharing with us from God's word this morning. Let me pray for him. God, uh, we just want to lift up Dominic right now, and uh, we thank you for um, his commitment to your word. We thank you for his mom, Cheryl, and uh, how she has raised him, and we just ask that he is guided by your spirit as he shares with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning. You know, earlier when they clapped, I just said, you know, I can say whatever I want now, and you guys are okay with it, so it's on, it's on you guys. Um, like Rob said... Um, my mom and I have, I've grown up coming here. My mom and I came here about eight or nine years ago. And uh, I just want to say it's an honor and a, a privilege to be able to come here and speak uh, for you guys and, uh, you know, serve you guys. Um, so thank you for that. Um, but so how many of you guys saw Doctor Strange when it was in theaters? By show of hands. That's actually less than first service, which amazes me. But uh, if you haven't seen it, like for me, it, it's weird because Doctor Strange is one of the more obscure characters, and I mean, for me, like I'm a self-diagnosed nerd, so I like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, comic books. So I'm like at the front of the line, yeah. Woo. Um, and so like for when Doctor Strange was getting like his own movie, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, finally. And then Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, like McDreamy over here, he's like, Phew. and and so I was like super excited about. Um, Doctor Strange coming out, and if you haven't seen it yet, um, in the nature of the series that we're in, I'm going to spoil the mess out of it, uh, so it's your own fault if you haven't seen it by now. But it is on Netflix if you want to go see it later today, and this message is also brought to you by Netflix. Um, so in, in the story of, of Doctor Strange, we have a man named uh, Stephen Strange, and Stephen Strange is the best surgeon in the Marvel Universe, and I mean, he's like on par with Tony Stark when it comes to medicine and intellect, but he's very, you know, ego, uh, he's got a big ego, he's very self-centered, and one night as Doctor Strange is, uh, he's driving along a road, and you know, as I'm watching this, I half expected a, like, don't text and drive ad to come on because it's like perfect conditions. It's raining. It's dark. He's on a windy road on top of a mountain of all places. And he's driving a Lamborghini and he's talking with his friend on his phone about possible patients. So he's doing like this, like that. you know, the thing that you, you know, you do. Um, and so he's doing this. And then all of a sudden his car veers off the side of the road and he crashes and lands in a ditch and the next morning, Stephen wakes up, and his hands are out like this. And he's got pins and needles in his hands, and he can't move them. And all of a sudden, the thing that gave Stephen so much success, the thing that gave him purpose in life, was gone. And I, I don't have kids yet, but I've promised my mom grandkids, um, so they're coming eventually. 
Um, but, but one of the things that I find that parents always ask this question is like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I mean, we, when I, I'd like to consider myself grown up by now. Um, and so, but when I was a kid, I wanted to be a, a cowboy and, you know, then uh, a teacher, an author, an archaeologist, and then something snapped in me where I just wanted to, like, you know, spend time with teenagers, these angsty teenagers, and I don't know what went wrong, but, but that's what I wanted to be. And we ask this question, it's, I mean, we ask it so innocently, right? Like, you know, an eight-year-old says, I want to be a police officer, and it's like, oh, that's so cute. You want to help people or a fireman, but, but... If you think about it, this question is so deep and, and profound. Like, we kids don't really think about it, but, I mean, we're asking these, like, eight-year-old, five-year-olds to, to define their lives, to give themselves what is, like, their purpose in life at, at the age of eight. And if I had kids, I would be straight up with them. They'd go, like, you know, I want to be a doctor. I'd be like, well, you better get A's now. You better get A's through middle school and high school, and then you better start saving now because I'm not paying for it. And, and so, I mean, we ask this question, but in, I mean, wherever you're from, whatever culture you're a part of, whatever race, or wherever you are with your walk with Jesus today, that's the question that every human being asks. What is my purpose? And what is the meaning of my life? And we see this played out in the uh, story of Dr. Strange, but we also see it played out in God's word. And if you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, we have some out of the front table, and we'd love to get you one. But in Acts chapter 9, we meet a man named Saul. And some of you might know Saul. Uh, some of you might know him by another name, Paul. And so it's like Saul is Paul and Paul is Saul. Um, but we see that, that Paul was a persecutor of the church. So Paul would go around all the Middle East and he would imprison and he would beat and flog Christians and followers of the way. In some instances, he would kill them. But we read uh, about Paul's journey in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It says this, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. And Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So both of these characters have their, believe they have their purpose figured out. Like for, for Dr. Strange, he, he believed his purpose was to be a surgeon, make a lot of money, and, and be successful. And for Paul, he believed that his purpose was to persecute the church. And, and he went as far as saying, like, God has called me to persecute the church. And I wonder if, if someone here today, if you have had your plan, you've had your purpose since you were five or eight years old, and then all of a sudden it, it goes awry. You're, you're blinded by the death of a loved one or, or the fact that you don't have a job. Maybe it's something else. Maybe 
maybe your parents are sick or your kid is, is doing a bunch of messed up stuff. But whatever it is, God has called us for a purpose and he has a plan for us. And today we're going to look at that. But would you first pray with me? God, I thank you that we can come here. God, and I thank you that you've given us purpose, God, and that we get to discover what that is, and that we get to look at your word. Father, help our, our hearts to be open to our minds, to be open to what you have to speak to us today. And God, may not my words be spoken, but your words, may your presence be here today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before we ask this question of, you know, like, what is our purpose? What is our, our meaning? We have to ask this question of why. Like, why does the universe work the way it does? Why, why of all people, is Dominic Chassis here? And, and I, I found the answer um, as I'm reading the Bible. The answer is found in Genesis 1.1. And some of you might have this memorized, but in Genesis 1.1, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so the answer to the, to the why that we ask is, is God. And I mean, for those of you who are parents, you are well accustomed to this, like, question why. Like, you know, you have your kids, they go like, why? And, and you, you have two options. You either say, like, because I told you so. Or, or you, like, start feeding it and they just keep doing it because it annoys you. But, you know, we, I could spew off a ton of facts because that's, that's what I do. I mean, I go to school for, for Bible training and stuff like that, so I could spew off a ton of facts. Um, but I would love to just read a couple verses about how God has created this world. It says this, Psalm 95, verse 4 and 5, In, the hands, in his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands form the dry land. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Romans 1.20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So men are without excuse. And there's a scene in Doctor Strange where uh, he's talking to... Um, a character called the Ancient One, and the Ancient One's like this Zen teacher. Um, she's bald and like very like, hmm. And, and so Dr. Strange is talking to her, and, and she says this, you are a man looking through a keyhole. And I'm learning that that keyhole can be wide, and you reject the possibility. Stephen Strange replies, no, I reject it because I do not believe in fairy tales about chakra or energy or the power of belief. There's no such thing as spirit. We are made of matter and nothing more, just momentary specks within an indifferent universe. And that's very much the mentality of the world today. If you look around, especially my generation, like we believe that we are nothing more than just matter, that you and I are, are honestly just an accident. But as we, as we go and journey on finding our purpose, we have to come to the, to the conclusion that to find our purpose that God created everything, that God is the ultimate creator of everything. And, you know, grow, growing up, you know, I, um, I was a Christian. I went to church. I did the whole motions. And one of the things, though, that I did do was I followed disbelief and, and all these things to, to its honest, logical conclusion. And what I found is that if, if 
disbelief in, and there is no God and there is no life after death, there's no here and after, then the morality and all the good things of this world are just meaningless. Like, I mean, that's what you get to. Like, that's what you see. If you, like, I can't wrap my head around the fact that someone who doesn't really believe in God or believe in really anything can get up out of bed out of the morning because it doesn't matter. Like, going, going to work doesn't matter. Making money for your family doesn't matter. And, and for, for other people, I think uh, author David Platt, who's the author of book Radical, I think says it perfectly. He says, Christianity's offense begins with the first words of the Bible, in the beginning, God. The initial offense to the Bible is that there is no God who is, uh, there is a God who is the creator of all things, who alone has the right to say how we should live, and every single one of us will give an account to him. The authority of God booms across the first sentence of the Bible, which is in direct offense to the autonomy of man, which says, I'm the master of my own fate. I am the master of my own destiny. And so we, we actually have to get to this point where we believe that to find purpose, you actually have to believe that there is a purpose in the way God made the universe, that, there, that this isn't just, just random coincidence, like we, we're not just randomly here, but there's a plan and a purpose in the universe. And if, if you are in this like line of thinking, don't like, this isn't an attack. This isn't like you need to get with the Lord or, or drive a Ford, um, which is weird because I drive a Ford. Um, but, but this is just an invitation to, to widen your keyhole a bit. And I, I, I invite every Buddy, whether you believe or don't believe, wherever you are, to, to just, you know, widen your keyhole a bit, ask tough questions, and, and try and prove God wrong. You know, one of the things I've found is that I, I can't. Like, I've tried, and I can't prove God wrong. And that's something I invite everyone to do as we widen our keyhole, and as we begin to find our purpose, we understand that God is the ultimate creator of everything. And then as, as we understand this, we start to, start to believe that, you know, our purpose and, and what we're here for is all about us. You know, in, in Dr. Strange, he believed that, like, his, his purpose was to be a surgeon, and he used it to, to get, you know, all these cool things, like fancy watches, a Lamborghini, all these cool things. And that is what we see today, is that everything, the universe has to revolve around me. And I mean, I was, a, I was like the one grandkid for the longest time till I was about like 12. And then all of a sudden, like my three cousins just came and ruined it. So like Christmas, I would have like, I'd have like thrones of presents. I'd be like, you know, get these socks out of here. Um, but, but then all of a sudden, my, my cousins come and ruin it. And I mean, all of a sudden, I'm not the center of the world. And it's crazy to think like this. You, you can tell whether or not that you believe that you are the center of the world by what you prioritize. Because we see it so much in, in today's world, especially at my school. Like We've changed it to not uh, Mid-Atlantic Christian University. We've changed it to Maria Christian University. Um, because you see like a lot of girls and guys, but the girls will go like, you know, they see the guy going like, hmm. And they, they got the Zac Efron body. And, and you have, like, girls going, like, all crazy. And they're like, yes, oh, my gosh, thank you. And, and it's like that. And, and for the guys, it's a, lot, it's a lot simpler. It's like, she's pretty. I'm going to date her. And then they, they pour their lives into all of these things. And all of a sudden, they're, they're, the center of the world is, is all about them and what they want and what they're attracted to. 
But I mean, it's, it, do, it goes further than that. It, it's, you see it in sports. I mean, how many people spent hundreds of dollars just to watch a fight? I mean, if you really wanted to see a fight so bad, just go out and get in one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Yeah. Amen. But I mean, we see it like we spend so much time in sports and money on sports and, and we see it in like what we spend in like cars and all these other things. And, and as we go on this journey of finding purpose, we have to understand that it's not about us. You know, one of the beautiful things I find about the Bible is that like you can look all day long and you could study this and you will never find my name in there. You'll never find the name Dominic Joseph Chassie in here. And why that's beautiful is because if this is the most important book that Christians regard as the most important book ever written, and my name isn't in here, then it must not be about me. But we do read about someone in this book who's constantly referenced since he's referenced in the Old Testament, and he's revealed in the person of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. If you would in Revelation 5, we have like this picture of what, what the angels, these heavenly beings are talking about. And they're, and they're singing this. In verse 9, it says this, And they sang a new song, saying, And you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them to be a kingdom and a priesthood to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and in strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And so we don't see that the angels are singing like worthy is Dominic because he's done something. They're not saying worthy is Chip or Rob or anybody else. They're saying worthy is Jesus, the lamb who was slain. And, and Paul understood this later in his life. He goes as far as to saying like everything is garbage. Like all the good things in the world, they're, I mean, they're not bad in of themselves. Like sports are awesome, but they're not, I mean, they're not the point. Paul says that everything I consider loss, I consider garbage compared to just knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. And that's, that's what Paul understood. Again, saying that everything is garbage compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And as we, you know, as you figure out that, like, it's not about you, you start realizing that it's about Jesus, and you start listening to what he's saying. And in Matthew 26, um, he gives this, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. But then he goes and says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, when I read that, I just think, like, wow. That's hard because some of you know, like, you know, the people who you surround, who you're surrounded with. Like, you know, some of the cousin Eddie's in your, in your group of friends and in your family. And I mean, Jesus goes as far as saying that you need to love your enemies. 
And, and Paul, this isn't really displayed but uh, in Paul by Paul uh, in the story of Acts, but, but it is displayed by another person named Ananias. And in Acts chapter 9, we read the story as we continue on the journey of Paul. We see that Ananias was a man who, who, who meets Paul, if I can get to it. And it says this in verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Paul. For he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. And so Ananias has a, has a normal human reaction to someone like Paul. Like maybe, I mean, if, if someone was acting like Paul, you would not you know, welcome him. Like my first reaction would be like a TSA pat down, a restraining lawyer. You need to stay like 250 yards away from me. But we don't see that in Ananias. As we continue in the story, it says in verse 15, it says, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And so, again, he, Ananias has a normal human reaction, but for you, maybe it's not fear. Maybe for you, a normal human reaction to, to someone you don't like is disgust or, or hatred because someone has wronged you in such a way that you can't forgive them. Ananias has this normal human reaction, but we see that Ananias moved past this. As we read later in the story, he he moves past it and says, you know what, I have heard all the things that, that Paul has done, that Saul has done, but God, you've called me to love others. So I'm going to step out of my fear. I'm going to step out of my disgust, of my hate, and love this person. And I wonder if, if a man from ISIS came walking through those doors... And he came in saying, you know, I'm a baptized believer in Jesus and I'm just in love with the Lord. How many of us would actually show him love? Because, I mean, they have done awful things. Like, there's no denying that they, what they do is awful. How many of us would step out of fear or disgust or hatred and love that man? And, you know, I, I watch the news in my, in my small campus, middle of nowhere, we get the news sometimes, and uh, you know, I after I wrote this, I, I saw on the news some some men and some women with tiki torches, and and they're running down the streets of Charlottesville, and 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 I I pray that God would be strong enough in me that I'd be able to go to those places and to those people, to the people who don't believe I should exist because of the color of my skin and be able to wrap my arms around them and to love them as Christ loved them. Because that's the love that's going to change the world. Like, that's the love that is going to change lives. And that is what we're called to do is to change lives in Jesus' name. And that is the kind of radical love that is going to change the world. 
And Rick Warren, who's a pastor in Texas, says it brilliantly. He says this, God teaches us to love by putting some unlovely people around us. It takes no character to love people who are lovely and loving to you. It takes no character for me to love my family because I know my family loves me, but it takes all the character in the world and all the strength I have in me to love those people carrying tiki torches. And ultimately, this is displayed not just by Paul, but by Jesus as he's, I mean, he is on the cross, nails in his hands and feet, and he is like, he is bleeding and he is dying, but he still says, Lord, forgive them. As he looks at the Pharisees, the people who put him up there, he says, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they do. That is love. That's the love that's going to change the world. And that's how we find our purpose as we love and sacrifice for one another. And there's a scene in Dr. Strange where Dr. Strange is fighting this, uh, he's an evil entity called Dormammu. And it's a weird name, but I mean, he's, he's battling him and Dr. Strange bring with him uh, what is basically like a handheld DeLorean. And so um, he, he goes there and he's like, he's fighting and then all of a sudden he traps Dormammu in, in a time loop. And so basically they're just reliving the same moment over and over again. And Dormammu says this, he says, you will never win. And, and Dr. Strange says, you're right, but I can lose over and over and over again. Dr. Strange was willing to, to love others, to love the people on earth so much as willing to spend an eternity just losing and just dying over and over again for the people that he loved. And that's the kind of love that you and I are called to show to one another and to our enemies and to other people who don't deserve it. We find our purpose as we love and sacrifice for one another. And ultimately, we find our purpose as we learn to surrender fully to God. And, you know, as I was first writing this, I, I had, like, fully surrendered to God. Like, there's no ifs, and or buts. You're just, like, all out for Jesus. But I, I don't see that. I don't see that, you know, people just fully surrender, give up everything automatically. And, like, all, every day is just like, you know what, God, it's yours. All of it's yours. But we see that every day is a chance for us to learn to fully surrender to God. Like, it's a learned thing that we all have to do. And I wonder how many of us are willing to surrender our, our American dream for the sake of Jesus Christ. I wonder how many of us are willing to surrender our, our 401ks or our safety or our white picket fence to, to, for God. All the comforts in the world just for, for Jesus. And I mean, all of this stuff is hard. Like, there's no getting around that all of this stuff is hard. Like, loving other people is hard. But this is hard. Because I, I want the American dream. Because the American dream is appealing to me. Because, I, I mean, I want the white picket fence. I want the wife with 2.5 kids. And I want all these things. But the question is, am I willing to learn how to surrender every day to God? It, and one of the best scenes in, in the movie is at the end where, where Dr. Strange is... is uh, He's 
if you've read the comic books, there's this place called the Sanctum Santorum, and it's like his mansion. Um, but he's walking up these steps, and as he's walking, the like his cape is flowing. It's really, really cool. Um, and for the comic book reader, like you were like reading, like this is it. This is where where Stephen Strange becomes Doctor Strange. Because Dr. Strange, he is fully surrendered to his purpose, his newfound purpose, not, not living selfishly, not living for himself or being a surgeon, but living for other people and, and doing good to others. And, and I, I love Paul's story. It, as you continue to read, Paul's story is fantastic. But I think that it, it's even more perfectly shown in, in Jesus Christ when, when Jesus, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's on his knees and he's bleeding and he's sweating. And he's looking up to the sky and he's saying, God, Dad, Daddy, help me. I, I don't, this hurts. Like, this hurts a lot. Like, I'm going to die. And I wonder if, like, for you, for those of you who are parents in here, how many of you would, like, look at your kids as they're crying out for you? Like, they scrape their knee and they're just like, ah. And, like, you just ignore them. Like, you just say, suck it up. Like, no good parent would ever do that. And, and, and that's, like, that's what Jesus is going through. And yet, in that moment, when he's about to go to his very death, the most painful death in all of existence, he says this, not my will, but yours be done. That's what surrender looks like. That Jesus could have, in an instant, just snapped his fingers and be done with it. He could have been done with, like, he could have said, I don't want to do this. This hurts. But he didn't. He said, not my will, but yours be done. And that's what we have to do every day of our lives as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, learn to fully surrender to God. And I think all of this stuff, the whole idea of finding our purpose is summed up in one of the one scene. Um, and I mean, the whole movie is my favorite, but I think I like this scene a whole lot. So uh, why don't you check it out? is relative. Your body hasn't even hit the floor yet. I've spent so many years peering through time, looking at this exact moment, but I can't see past it. I've prevented countless terrible futures, and after each one there's always another, and they all lead here, but never further. You think this is where you die? You wonder what I see in your future? I never saw your future, only its possibilities. You have such a capacity for goodness. You always excelled, but not because you craved success, but because of your fear of failure. That's what made me a great doctor. It's precisely what kept you from greatness. Arrogance and fear still keep you from learning the simplest and most significant lesson of all. Which is? It's not about you. 
When you first came to me, you asked me how I was able to heal Jonathan Pangborn. I didn't. He channels dimensional energy directly into his own body. He uses magic to walk. Constantly. He had a choice. To return to his own life or to serve something greater than himself. So I could have my hands back again. My old life. You could. And the world would be all the lesser for it. I've hated drawing power from the dark dimension. But as you well know, sometimes one must break the rules in order to serve the greater good. Mordo won't see it that way. Mordo's soul is rigid and unmovable, forged by the fires of his youth. He needs your flexibility, just as you need his strength. Only together do you stand a chance of stopping Dormammu. I'm not ready. No one ever is. We don't get to choose our time. Death is what gives life meaning. To know your days are numbered. Your time is short. You'd think after all this time I'd be ready. But look at me. Stretching one moment out into a thousand. Just so that I can watch the snow. And you see that we're only given a limited amount of time left. Like on our on our births, on our uh, gravestones, there's going to be two dates. There's going to be the day we were born and the day we die. And in the middle is going to be this little dash, which, I mean, it's on our tombstones. It's just a dash, but that's like our whole lives. And, and honestly, in the span of like eternity, you were like a, a blip. And I'm, I'm a blip. And, and so how are we going to live? I mean, this goes much further than like, what do you want to like do with your life? What do you want your job to be? This is like, do you want your life to be how you lived constantly angry at God because he, your, your plan didn't work out or how you constantly lived not forgiving other people because of how they hurt you? Or, or do you want to live Surrender to God? Or do you want to live with the focus being on Jesus instead of yourself? And so as we leave here today, as we, as we go, may we go and live a life asking the tough questions and opening and widening our keyholes. May we go and live humbly, understanding that it's not about you and me, it's about Jesus. And may we go and love radically because that's the love that's going to change the world and change lives. And may we go and learn to surrender fully because in full surrender to God, that is where we find our purpose. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you have created this universe and us with a purpose that we aren't an accident. That I'm not an accident, that you have created me for a reason and that everything in this universe has a plan and a purpose. And God, thank you that we have the ability to find that purpose through you and through Jesus Christ. God, may our, our lives be changed 
by the purpose that you have for us. And we thank you for Jesus. And we love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name, amen.